Welcome to Echoing Faith Today, a podcast conversation on themes of impact and relevance in the new directory for catechesis from the Pontifical Council for the Promotion of the New Evangelization. I'm Dr. Jem Sullivan, host and faculty in the School of Theology and Religious Studies at the Catholic University of America. On this podcast, we'll hear from scholars, experts, and those in pastoral ministry. So welcome back, and thank you for taking your place at this table of conversation. In describing the nature of catechesis, the Directory for Catechesis speaks of the church in a permanent state of mission and the catechist as a missionary disciple. So what is the relationship between mission and catechesis? To shed insight on this question, I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast, Dr. Don McCrabb, Executive Director of the United States Catholic Mission Association. Don, thank you so much for joining in this podcast conversation. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the relationship of mission and catechesis and welcome to the podcast. Jim, thank you very much. It's wonderful to be with you. It's very exciting to talk about mission and catechesis. So thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome, Don. Let's begin with the word mission, right? What does the catechetical community need to hear, need to know about mission as we continue to reflect on the nature, the tasks, and the sources of catechesis? It's an excellent question, Jen, and I'll be happy to answer it over the next five days. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it is a very big question because uh, mission is really at the heart of what it means to be God. So uh, Anthony Gittins, one of the mission, missions, or, um, the missiologists, says that mission is who God is and it's what God's job description is. So let's just unpack that a little bit. Let's kind of come down from the, you know, the, the 300,000 mile level and just talk about what we think of when we think of mission. Frequently, when before Vatican II, when you would say the word mission within a church context, you were probably talking about missionaries who were going to a foreign land. And the purpose of that was the salvation of souls and the establishment of the church. And it's kind of the idea being that this particular location, uh, this particular place was like a blank slate and that Christianity the message of the gospel has not been spoken there at all. And indeed, there still are some places on the planet where that is absolutely true. So you, we, we don't want to minimize that approach to mission at all. But then Vatican II happened. And with Vatican II, uh, our understanding of church and of mission changed dramatically. We often hear the statement that um, it's, it's not that the church has a mission, it's that the mission has a church. And I think Bishop Barron said it best when he says, church is mission. <laughs> so if you can think of it this way, God is love 
and church's mission, you know, and what's the mission? You know, learn, learn, learn the first law. You know, the first law of mission is God is love. The second law of mission is the church's mission. And uh, so, uh, you know, that that's how close these, these concepts, these beliefs are, are related to us. And so, um, so when we talk about mission, we're, we're talking about really uh, how, how the church is witnessing, proclaiming, and serving the reign of God's love, salvation, and justice. And we need to think about that not so much in terms of where, but when. In other words, the gospel is to permeate every strata of human society. You know, not only the ordinary, but the micro levels as well as the macro levels of our society. I think that that really kind of I like I love the summary of you know the church the mission has a church it really puts that gives that as a priority you know it's it's the the priority is mission it's that mission that um, you know again Pope Paul VI said uh, the church exists in order to evangelize to to proclaim this good news. Uh, of faith in Jesus Christ and the dignity of the human person in light of that great mystery of the incarnation. So um, I, I really appreciate that 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 sense of giving priority to mission, uh, and then understanding that the church is there to serve that mission, to extend it, to to continue to be creative in its ways of uh, extending that mission. So, um, you know, when you say when, the question of when. Um, can you speak a little bit about that? Um, so it, yes, it, the uh, mission permeates every aspect of the church's life. Um, is the when kind of a timing uh, question or is it more of um, just a qualitative? How does this permeate all that the church does? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Jen. Um, <clears throat> so, so one way of thinking about this is um, I'm going to use the word, and this has really been very strong within the U.S. church, it seems to me, and it certainly was part of my reflections as I was developing. Um, I served as a catechist, as a director of religious education for a handful of years. And, um, you know, at the time, as we were trying to appropriate Vatican II, we spent a lot of time talking about ministry rather than mission. And one way of thinking of ministry is that ministry is really our, our service to the community. It's an internal focus. Mission always has an external focus, right? And so again, uh, uh, thinking of it kind of geographically, when we think of it as an external focus, what we're thinking of, okay, well, our job now is somehow to proclaim the gospel over there. So the question is, is over, what's over there? Well, if we add more of a temporal understanding of it, then over there is not a geographical location. Over there is the boardroom that's determining how finances are going to be spent. Uh, over there is the public policies that are shaping how the poor are going to be attended to. Over there are the people on the peripheries of our society. So, you know, that, that's, that's really a much finer point, right? And so 
one of the things clearly, um, again, uh, thinking of Bishop Barron, uh, he has seen the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, the people without a religious affiliation as the people over there. Uh, and so the, that, that's, that's in many different places within our, our, our culture. And the way we access them, at least the way he's accessing them, is through social media. So you can see that what I'm talking about here, that's what I mean when I'm talking about the, the temporal dimension, um, that it really opens up so many places where we can begin to think about, well, I believe in Jesus. I want to proclaim his love for humanity. How do I do that in my daily life? And that can be through my mission to others. Um, and those others can be really shaped more about by time than anything else. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, thank you for that clarification. I think that's really kind of um, opening up a paradigm shift, if you will, away from thinking of mission in terms of geography uh, and more in terms of, of, of the, the fabric of life itself that must be permeated with the light of the gospel. I mean, thinking of those gospel images, you are salt of the earth, you are light of the world. Uh, it's that, that sense in which it's, it's, all, uh, it's all pervasive. Uh, and that's a very important shift, it seems to me. So thank you for kind of just um, focusing on our attention to that. You know, in your work- Jim, if I could just add to that. Yes. That's been part of our thinking for some time. And, and in the directory, uh, the directory for catechesis um, on paragraph 31, it talks about um, evangelization as an ecclesial process. Yes. And at one point it says, driven by charity, evangelization permeates and transforms the whole temporal order, yes. incorporating cultures and offering the contribution of the gospel so that they may be renewed from within. Yeah, that's so, so you can see even in our own documents, this dynamic, this, as you said so well, you know, it's that salt, it's that leaven that we are called to be. Um, now, mission sees that in a particular way. Right. Um, and so, uh, and, and we, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about, kind of how mission sees that. Um, but yeah, just, you know, there, there is nothing that is human that is outside the grace of the gospel. That's excellent, Don. And you know, it actually calls to mind uh, something that Pope Francis says in his recent apostolic letter, Antico Ministerium on the Ministry of Catechists, where he's speaking about the secular character of the Ministry of Catechists. And I think that's exactly what he means uh, in what you've just pointed and you, you've uh, read from the directory. Uh, it's to permeate, transform the whole temporal order incorporating cultures and uh, with the light of the gospel. So again, a very important focus to keep in mind as we consider this question. Um, you know, in your work, you're engaged with an extensive network of missionaries, um, both here in the US and around the world. Give us some insight into how missionaries might view the relationship between mission and catechesis. Right, yeah, thanks, Jim, for that question. Um, first, just to clarify something, um, or, or maybe uh, 
illuminate something, I hope, you know, we are all baptized. I mean, the assumption is that we are all baptized. And, and because we are baptized, we are by our very nature now um, missionary disciples. A missionary um, is one who uh, is a missionary disciple that um, has a particular role on behalf of the church. So like the catechist, you know, the catechist is really called by the community in one sense to help the community be formed in the faith, right? Well, the missionary um, is called by the community and is sent in the name of the community to others. You know, to, so again, it's, it's rather than inside the church, it's our effort to go outside the church. Um, I like to say that it's through missionaries that the church embraces the world. And so, um, so the missionary is, is sent by the church um, to, uh, to take the gospel to others. And again, those others could be in your neighborhood, in your backyard, um, within your city, um, across the country or around the world, okay? Now, having said that, um, one of the ways we think about um, mission is, is we think about it in terms of kind of the activities of mission. Um, two very prominent missiologists, Roger Schroeder and Steve Bevins, really wrote kind of the textbook on mission. It's called Constance in context. Uh, context change, the truth of the gospel remains the same. And in that text, they kind of give, they give a description of what they call six expressions of mission. One expression of that mission is witness, and that's really foundational. And when we talk about witness, you kind of have to think about it this way. Um, you know, any youth minister knows what I'm talking about because the youth minister has to kind of immerse themselves in the young culture, you know, so they kind of, they don't abandon themselves. And of course they will tell you, oops, I made a mistake. I abandoned my adulthood and tried to be a young person. <laughs> but, 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 but they do, they are with and for young people in their culture. And young people do have a distinct culture that they're with. So being with, being a person of integrity, uh, those are ways of witnessing. Um, how you listen is a way of witnessing. Um, how you serve is a way of witnessing. How you engage and cooperate is a way of witnessing. And of course, the words you use are a way of witnessing. And so all of that, you know, the proclamation of the gospel, the service we do is all part of witnessing. The other aspects of mission, the other expressions of mission would include worship. Also, it would include dialogue. That would be the third. The fourth is enculturation. And that is something that catechists may be particularly sensitive to. Uh, how do we... Um, speak the gospel in a language that um, the people that I'm called to serve can hear and can understand. I, I love that little cartoon. You probably have seen it, right? Um, where Jesus is talking to this young person on this park bench, 
and the young person has their cell phone out and they said, now, how do I, what, what's, what's your Facebook account? How do I, how do I follow you? And Jesus says, no, I mean, I want you to really follow me, <laughs> you know? I mean, so, you know, how do you speak that, you know? So that's, that's one of the enculturation issues. Uh, working for justice, obviously, is another expression of mission and, and, and then reconciliation. So those would be the six uh, expressions of mission. Um, and so um, one of some of the touchstones, I think, for catechists would be in the area of witness, maybe in the area of dialogue, clearly in the area of worship, uh, clearly in the area of enculturation. Um, you know, since you speak with missionaries uh, every day, I'm sure, uh, in one way or another, um, and they share with you their, their challenges, their joys, their opportunities, um, their creativities, um, how, practically speaking, how do missionaries relate to catechists uh, from missions around the world? Yeah, that's a good question. And, um, it, of course, you know, it's really a big world, you know, and so, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of diversity. Uh, when I was reflecting on this question, uh, I was reminded of a young woman who was, um, she was in, she was a missionary, right? And she was serving uh, really uh, the underserved uh, in a Latin America country. Um, she was well known by the bishop and she was really uh, designated by the bishop as the catechist. Now within that culture, within that community, the catechist is almost like a parish administrator in our culture. They're not ordained, they're not vowed religious. It's a ministry that is being done on behalf of the church in the name of the church. Um, so one of the first things is that many missionaries, missionaries serve as catechists. So that's, I think, a very important thing. And of course, that, that, that service to the community is largely shaped by the culture that they find themselves in. Uh, one of the reasons why um, many missionaries take a lot of time with language and culture is because they want to be able to accompany people quickly uh, rather than going through that whole awkward phase of, Okay, now how do I say this? <laughs> you know. okay. So, so that that's I think that's one of the first things. The second thing, the word partnership just immediately leaped to mind. You know, missionaries are always trying to partner with um, the folks, the, the the faithful that are there um, uh, in whatever locale that they are, and so uh, they are clearly trying to form those kind of partnerships and and rely on their the uh, catechist to help them understand the community, to, uh, to help them understand what we like to say, you know, the, 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 the griefs and joys, the, uh, the anxieties and the, you know, of, of the people to, to know where they're coming from and what they're in need. Um, again, uh, the emphasis is always to be with and for a people in their context for their well-being. Uh, one of the concepts that is now used um, is integral human development. 
So a missionary, whether that missionary is going to be there for three years, 30 years, or three days, that missionary is to be with and for those folks rather than trying to say, oh, you have a problem, I can fix it. You know, the, the fix it approach to mission um, has thankfully fallen away. And it's really much more about being with. Now, there is actual service that is done in the sense of, you know, pulling together the resources and the skills and the expertise you have and make and put them at the disposal of the people as opposed to imposing your disposing, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as you're speaking, what strikes me is that that is, in fact, the most credible witness to the gospel. It's not only the words we say, but how we do it. And that's exactly kind of a reframing of how we're doing this, where uh, accompaniment and partnership are the dominant sort of mode of being with people. This is one of the things that the directory for catechesis talks about in terms of the catechist. The catechist is one before they're actually doing anything or saying anything, they have to simply be with the other. Just that ministry of presence, I think, is so important. And I, I hear you, I hear that in what you're saying here that it's so important to have that with and for uh, with the community um, rather than sort of a, uh, imposing from without uh, my ideas of how you know uh, this community should look like or, or should proceed. So that, that really is kind of, I see so many parallels, Don, uh, with how we speak of catechesis, which is to always be, be with the other first. Uh, and in the context of that being with the other, is all of the other things that we bring to whether it's initiation, education, accompaniment, formation, you know, all of those elements uh, of the catechetical task. Um, so, yeah, and, and it's a you're kind of getting a little deeper into this. Um, there is, if, if you will, kind of a, a mutual purification that happens. Um, we have a delightful story where uh, a group of people came together and they did an intercultural Bible study. And the story was the story of the prodigal son. Now, I would guess if someone asked the question of our audience right here, um, why did the prodigal son starve? And I think most Americans, at least in this cultural state, most Americans chose, well, the reason why the prodigal son was starving was because he squandered everything. In another culture, their response was, well, the reason why he was starving is because there was a famine. <laughs> there was a famine. And a third culture said, well, no, the reason why he was starving was because nobody would give him anything. Mm -hmm. Three different answers to the same question, and all of them are within the gospel story. So, you know, that's, that's what I meant by kind of mutual purification. I mean, one of the things the missionary has to be very sensitive to is how are their own cultural presuppositions getting in the way of them being with and for the people. On the other hand, 
they also have to be willing and uh, willing and able to articulate the truths that we believe are core to the gospel, the dignity of each person, human trafficking is wrong, those kind of things. So there is this mutual purification that happens. Uh, and so sometimes that conversation happens um, between and among missionaries and Catholics. Finally, Don, could you briefly tell us about USCMA, the United States Catholic Mission Association, um, just briefly kind of for our audience so that they are aware of your work. Sure, be happy to. So uh, we are an organization of missionaries. Um, and so uh, primarily uh, we are organizations. So one of our members would be um, the Marinal Fathers and Brothers, but also the Marinal Sisters. Uh, we have the uh, Columbans, uh, the Oblates of Mary Immaculate, for example, uh, but then we also have uh, the Sisters of Notre Dame or the Sisters of Charity. So, so we have religious communities as members, and, and originally we were founded by those communities, but since then we've also expanded to religious communities that focus in for, uh, you know, domestic mission like the Glen Marys or the Josephites. Um, also, of course, you have dioceses that have mission offices. So they have become members. Parishes have become members. One of the webinars we did this past year, Jim, was we featured uh, St. Margaret Mary Parish in Orlando, Florida, that has a very robust mission in Haiti. Uh, and they've really done a great job of developing that mission. And one of the things that's particularly interested, interesting about their model is the way they have worked to include youth and adults and even the school children uh, into the mission. So that's been a really wonderful conversation to have. So uh, that's what we do now. We're, you know, obviously we're a membership organization. And so as an association, we do what associations do we have programs uh, we have resources that we're developing a newsletter uh, and of course consultation services um dr mccrab thank you so much for your time and your insights on the relationship of mission and catechesis i'm very grateful for your insights many blessings on your work and we look forward to continuing the conversation thank you Jen. thank you very much it's been a joy to be with you Thank you for joining in this conversation with Dr. Don McCrabb. Please stay tuned as we continue to discuss themes of impact and relevance in evangelization and catechesis. Till then, keep the faith and keep echoing the faith. I'm Dr. Jem Sullivan. I hope you have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Echoing Faith Today, hosted by Dr. Jem Sullivan, produced by the School of Theology and Religious Studies at the Catholic University of America and edited by Anthony Apostolides.